0: This happened fairly recently at a wildlife management area near my town. I won't reveal its exact location, but it's in a densely wooded region near the Connecticut-Rhode Island border. A favorite spot of me and my friends was a lake in the center of the WMA we called The Hole, because of its purported deepness. There was a small cluster of picnic tables on the lake's far side where we'd party at night when it was warm outside. For the most part, I had a lot of wonderful memories associated with the hole, where I had my first hookup, caught my biggest fish, and even celebrated a few birthdays. After that fateful night, however, those memories became meaningless. Not only was the hole our hangout, but we also used it to stash our liquor, tobacco, and other party favours. On this particular night, there were five of us Rob, my best friend, Tanner who lived down the street from me Uma, a foreign exchange student we befriended, Pam my cousin, and myself Earlier that day Rob and Tanner visited the hall to hide a bottle of vodka we planned on drinking that night, saying they stashed it in the crevice of a boulder along the trail that took us to the picnic tables Our plans changed unexpectedly when Pam said we could drink at her house All we had to do was retrieve the bottle which was easier said than done at 10pm. Uma and Pam stayed in the car, while Rob, Tanner and myself went to get the bottle. Despite its relatively secluded location, the trails were maintained pretty routinely, and appeared to have been worked on earlier today. About 15 minutes of walking, we approached the trail's first junction, which either took you around the lake or deeper into the woods. This doesn't feel right. Tanner exclaimed as we came to a halt. We didn't come this far. Did we pass it? Rob and I exchanged glances with mixed expressions of bewilderment and frustration before he replied. No, Tanner, we've used our boulder to hide stuff multiple times before. How do you not know where it is by now? Rob replied in a tone that sounded like he was asking a question. You were even the one who picked the damn spot. Tanner shrugged. Everything just looks different at night, I guess. Rob grumbled something before we resumed walking. I couldn't quite hear what he said, but it seemed to anger Tanner. They'd been edgy towards each other all night, so I assumed they had a previous argument they hadn't settled. I'm sure the night's hot, humid conditions also didn't necessarily help lighten the mood. Let's just find it and get back, I added, trying to keep the peace, since Rob and Tanner was susceptible to butting heads. We've only been out here fifteen minutes and I'm already matted with sweat. We walked in silence for another couple of minutes, until something caught Tanner's attention. Look at this, Tanner said, briefly stepping out of our headlamp's light and re-emerging from the darkness, brandishing a small orange chainsaw. Why would you leave something like this just chilling along the trail? Probably because they're coming back tomorrow to finish whatever they're working on, Rob said quickly, winting when Tanner started aimlessly waving the chainsaw in the air. Just put it down, dude. You're wasting time. Tanner scoffed at Rob's comment and resumed walking. Nobody's going to mess with us if we've got one of these, Tanner said, part joking and part serious. Do you even know how to use it?" Rob asked condescendingly as him and I struggled to keep up with Tanner, who was lavishing over the newfound sense of invincibility he seemingly acquired from discovering the chainsaw. Tanner didn't respond and did a slow 360-degree spin as he stuck the chainsaw out and lazily swung it horizontally. You're gonna kill someone! Rob barked, stopping dead in his tracks during Tanner's graceful chainsaw spin despite being well over 20 paces from where he stood. I could hear Rob mumble something like, it's always something with him, or he always has to find something to sidetrack us, but didn't say anything, knowing how arguing was a huge component of Rob and Tanner's volatile friendship. Tanner was definitely the most immature out of us, whereas Rob was very subtle, yet temperamental. I hoped retrieving the bottle would be simple and seamless, so we could get back to the car out of this sticky, heavy humidity without Rob and Tanner engaging in another round of arguments. Rob and Tanner had mixed reactions when we reached the boulder where the vodka was supposedly stored. Tanner stopped rather abruptly while Rob continued walking toward the boulder. This doesn't feel right, Tanner said as he surveyed our surroundings. I really don't think this was the one we left it in, bro. Tanner and I watched Rob encircle the boulder before stepping up and inspecting a side that was obstructed from my view. Rob adjusted his headlamp a few times, shifting his stance and arms for nearly two minutes before he finally stepped back and turned towards us. It's not here, Rob said flatly. I told you, Tanner snapped back, dropping the chainsaw, whose clank echoed throughout the forest. We hid the bottle together! Rob barked, anger and frustration growing in each of his words as he turned to face Tanner. If that's where we hid it, why isn't it there anymore? Tanner quickly asked. I don't know, maybe someone took it. Rob replied while he started walking toward Tanner. Or maybe because that's not where we left it. How do you not even remember? Are you really that dumb? Is your brain really that fried from the barrage of stuffy smoke, snort or pop? That was the last line I heard before zoning the two out while they bickered. I walked over to the boulder and inspected it myself, carefully walking around it before beginning to thoroughly inspect the crevice where Rob claimed to have stashed the bottle. There was indeed nothing inside as Rob claimed. I didn't doubt Rob's story. Figuring Tanner must have been too stoned to notice at the time and some other kids took it for themselves. We weren't the only ones who hung out here and have previously come across other kids' stashes in the hiding spots we used. I was annoyed upon realizing we didn't have anything to drink tonight and dreaded how the girls would react upon learning the news. My train of thought was disrupted by Rob uttering something in a screeching shriek to which Tanner responded with his own banshee-like screams. I ran over and separated them, unable to quite precisely decipher what they were fighting about since they were shouting over each other. While I didn't know what escalated their argument, I could tell, looking at their faces, they were both seething. Upon separating them, I had to push against Rob, who still tried coming at Tanner, who started stomping back down the path. The last thing I heard Tanner say was a screw you both, before a quick scraping and metallic thump broke out, followed by Tanner's gasp getting cut short by a squishy crunching thump I felt Rob's body stiffen as he stopped trying to force himself forward leaning back the fiery anger in Rob's eyes was now replaced by shock and sheer terror his trembling jaw hanging open as the expression on his face seemed frozen in disbelief from whatever he stared at over my shoulder when I looked behind me my headlamp light shone on Tanner lying face down on the ground His twitching limbs sprawled out in different directions. A reddish-beige tip protruded from the back of Tanner's head, around which I quickly noticed a pool of blood was forming. I detached myself from Rob as we both stared in disbelief for a few seconds before hurrying over toward Tanner's limp body. What happened? I started asking frantically to Rob, whose stunned, wide-eyed expression hadn't changed. It... It was an accident." Rob managed to spot her out after a few seconds, his eyes unable to move off Tanner. He... he... tripped over the chainsaw and... he... he fell. A heavy knotty feeling formed in my stomach when I realized the tip jutting out of the back of Tanner's head was the jaggedy edge of a small tree stump, probably about as thick as a silver dollar They must have been cut down earlier today. Tanner tripped over the chainsaw he was playing with, lost his footing, and landed directly under the stump's pointed tip face first. We have to get help, I said, facing Rob, who was visibly struggling to maintain his composure. Unable to speak, Rob shakily nodded his head in response to my comment as his eyes remained fixed on Tanner's motionless body. Stay with him. Can you do that? I quickly asked Rob, who lightly gestured with his head that he would. I'm going to run back to the car, call for help, and let the girls know what happened. I'll be back as soon as possible. I didn't wait for Rob to respond, and bolted back down the path, trying to run as fast as my feet could take me, amid navigating the dark, rocky trail. My heart pounded, and my mind raced with a recurring image of Tanner's stiff, switching body, while the reality of what just happened, along with the drastic shift of events this night took, struggled to set in with me. About halfway back to the parking lot, I stopped alongside the trail and vomited profusely, forcing myself to take a few slow deep breaths before resuming my sprint. I was able to reach the parking lot in under 10 minutes, finding Pam and Uma still sitting in the car, both fixated on their phones. The girls were startled when I started frantically pounding on the glass, gesturing for them to step out of the vehicle. They seemed hesitant at first, probably thinking I was pulling some sort of prank, until they noticed the genuine fear and panic in my eyes. I quickly called the police, saying there was an accident, and gave them our location. Pam and Uma were now visibly concerned, and asking what was happening as soon as I hung up with the cops. There's... There's been an accident." I stammered, realizing my body was visibly shaking while I still struggled to catch my breath. Tanner's hurt. He's hurt bad. Where's Rob? Pam asked urgently, to which I noted he stayed back with Tanner. We have to try and move him, I said while motioning for the three of us to head back down the trail. Cops won't be here for another 30 to 40 minutes We have to try and get him back to the parking lot." The girl started asking what exactly happened to Tanner as I took them down the trail. I was so focused on getting back to Tanner and Rob, I didn't answer them at first. I eventually spewed a vague response, simply stating he fell and is bleeding really bad, in between short gasps of air while trying to maintain a steady running pace. We returned to the spot where I left Tanner and Rob but, neither were anywhere to be seen. I quickly noticed the stump Tanner fell on that was still encompassed by a fresh coating of blood which stained the ground. After pointing it out and catching my breath, I finally had a chance to explain what actually happened to the girls, who responded with disturbed expressions of disgust and alarm. So, where are they now then? Pam blurted, yelling at me like I was to blame for the incident. I don't know, I told Rob to stay with Tanner, so maybe he managed to start moving him back to the car? I replied with a blatant absence of confidence in my voice, trying to remain ignorant of the inevitability that Tanner had more than likely been killed from his fall. Before anyone could say anything else, the sounds of shuffling footsteps, accompanied with a teeth-gritting, squishy crunching sound, came from down the path. In the darkened section my headlamp's light couldn't reach, the three of us froze and stared intently toward where the noise came from, the footsteps appearing to get louder. I eventually started making out a human shaped figure in the darkness that appeared to be taking staggering, stumbling steps, like someone who is deathly impaired. When the figure stepped into my headlamp's light, all three of us released terrified gasps and yelps. A gaping, fist sized hole was in the center of Tanner's mangled, bloody face where he had been impaled by the stump, his head hanging limp on his neck and bobbling side to side, looking like a broken toy. He was completely nude with blood streaking down the front of his torso, while his arms remained completely motionless and swayed lazily in conjunction with his discombobulated footsteps. That popping, crunching sound emanated every time any one of Tanner's bodily joints shifted, his skin a deathly corpse-like pale tone and covered with mottled, greyish-blue patches. As much as I wanted to believe Tanner was somehow alive, it was abundantly clear something wasn't right. I heard Pam and Uma begin whimpering as Tanner took his lurching steps toward us, stopping when he was about 9 or 10 paces from where we stood. There was a tense stretch of seconds before I shakily uttered Tanner's name, after which his back made an abrupt arch, and naturally bending backwards 90 degrees as a popping crunch emanated throughout our vicinity. Tanner's swift movement made Pam and Irma shriek, after which he started racing towards where we stood. Our fight and flight instincts activated, the three of us swiftly pivoting and bolting back down the trail. I was convinced I heard that popping, crunching, and Tanner's wobbly footsteps following closely behind us in our dash back to the parking lot. I remained focused on what I could see in front of me until we reached the car. Pam and Irma were crying hysterically as I pivoted and shined my headlamp back down the trail to see we were no longer being chased, but couldn't shake off the smothering feeling something was watching us within the forest's impenetrable darkness. We all instinctively scrambled toward the car, but paused when Pam asked us about Rob. In the ensuing silence that materialized when she asked this question, we picked up the sounds of soft whimpering that came from a cluster of nearby brushes. Shining my headlamp in that direction, I immediately noticed the figure making subtle movements and quickly realized it was Rob. We found him behind the bush on his knees, with his face buried in his hands. He was sobbing and frantically rocking back and forth. His clothes were covered in sweat, mud, and what appeared to be blood. Rob? I said in a soft but shaky voice while warily approaching him, we gotta go bro, let me help you to the car, it's right- Rob started repeatedly mumbling the same phrase. I don't know what I saw, it was so real, and, I keep seeing it, I couldn't stop seeing it. When I extended a hand out to Rob, he became still and silent for a few seconds, before lowering his hand, which I realised were coated in blood, and lifted his head. His eyes were missing, and two empty black pits were now in their place, with blood streaking down his face's entire front side, Anything else I might have heard were drowned out in the girl's onslaught of frantic, horrified screams. Uma dove into the car, while Pam raced down the road in a full-on panic. I just completely stood frozen, unable to say or do anything but stare at Rob's disfigured, bloodied, eyeless face. Rob has been institutionalized since that night. I visited him a few times, but trying to communicate is a waste of time, since all he does is cry or mumble gibberish. I tried asking what he saw that night, but he breaks out into hysterics. Only once did Rob utter something understandable, and what he said still sends chills down my spine. You can't hear the crunching? The last time I visited and asked, Rob started violently smashing his head against the wall, after which I was asked not to return. Tanner's body was never found, despite a thorough search and investigation. Pam and I were never really the same after that, and Uma moved out of town shortly after, never telling us where her family relocated. I never returned to that WMA, and ever since visiting Rob last, started hearing shuffling footsteps, accompanied with a squishy, crunching sound. It always happens at night. The noises come from outside, and instantly remind me of the movements Tanner's limp, mangled body made whenever he moved, which is what I visualize whenever I hear them and close my eyes. I never saw anything on the first few instances I've mustered up the courage to check and nobody else seems to hear the eerie sounds. It's been sporadically happening in the months since I last saw Rob, but something recently changed about this inexplicable phenomenon that prompted me to share this tale. Lately, these noises are coming from inside. Con el nuevo iPhone SE por menos de 100 dólares en Metro, conquistas todo. El iPhone más accesible en la marca número uno en prepago. Estudia online o conéctate por FaceTime. Hola, ma. El iPhone SE lo tiene todo. Cámbiate a Metro y obtén el iPhone SE por 99.99 al canjear el reembolso tras seis meses de servicio con autopago. Metro by T-Mobile. Conquista tu día. Límite 1 por cuenta hogar al cambiarse y validar ID. No válido para números activos en la red de T-Mobile o en Metro en los últimos 90 días. Aplican restricciones. Visita una tienda para detalles.